following podcast may contain some adult language. You've been warned. Those of you who got an invite, welcome to NerdProm. <laughs> no matter where in the world you are, we're all NERDS International. With the hyphen. RPG Podcast. This is a show dedicated to the Genesis role-playing system from Fantasy Flight Games, a show in which we, your three hosts, discuss all things Genesis from both players and a GM's perspective. I am Tony Fanning, and with me, as always, is my brother from another mother, Mr. Christopher Holmes. How are you doing, homie? I am doing really good. I'm glad that um, Stefan is back joining us again. This week? Yes. Yay. Yes, after a little hiccup one day late for recording, but at least I'm here. That's hey. right, because of your... So you fed the hamsters, so your yeah, Canadian my, internet my Canadian, is working. <laughs> yes, my Canadian internet, eh? Sorry, eh? It's uh, sometimes slow. Okay. We got yes. you. Oh, no, well, that, that's my that's my Minnesotan accent, don't you know? But it's so close, so... Anyway, yes. so, hey, got to give you guys a... a, a Pellet smoker grill update. I have oh, I have oh. smoked and grilled twenty pounds of freaking ribs in the last couple weeks. Nice. Did eight pounds the other day. <laughs> did twelve pounds a couple weeks ago for my buddies on Saturday night. Oh my gosh, I'm getting good at it, guys. <laughs> so so you're saying you're not really following the Weight Watchers diet? <laughs> have you seen the caricature you made of me? <laughs> But anyways, I've been, I've been standing next to you. I can't wrap my arms around your thigh. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> anyways, Not I figured the, everybody was just everybody was just on the edge of their seats, going, "What did Chris cook recently?" That's it. So twenty pounds of ribs. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but I do have to give props to my buddy Drew. He is my meat master um, consultant. Aha. So yeah, he has one of those. He has one of those shirts that says "Meat is murder, tasty, tasty murder." <laughs> So, <laughs> which is awesome. awesome. But anyways, yeah. um, dude, Good. what kind of news do we have, Stefan? All right. Let's get to important role-playing stuff this time. Yes. So. This is not a culinary um, show. <laughs> no, no, not yet. Uh, <laughs> so we've got, of course, Con on the Cob, which is the Nerds International, almost like official con that uh, we've been attending the last couple of years. Yep. It's our annual third... get-together. I mean, annual. 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 Yes, annual, yes. <laughs> uh, we're very anal about it. So uh, it's creeping up on us, slowly but surely, and it's a month earlier than last year. So it runs October 3rd to the 6th, inclusively, in Richfield, Ohio, just south of Cleveland. Yep. So at least, yeah, so far we've got at least a dozen of us uh, being there, uh, almost like the usual suspects. And we hope uh, he's saving money like crazy uh, to have our uh, co- other ho- co-host from the other uh, podcast from down under Paris Conte uh, to uh, to come up here and uh, and drop by. Cool. And he's going to try and make it to the con and then. His brother lives in Montreal, which is my old hometown. 
So okay. you know, two two birds and one stone uh, kind of thing. So okay. he'll be able to visit his brother at the same time. Nice. Very so nice. hopefully he'll be able to make it. Mm-hmm. And today I just got also uh, in my email the uh, bundle of holding, the latest one called the uh, Corporation RPG. Uh, it's, it's its own RPGs. It's not Genesis associated, but it would be a great resource reading a little bit through it. it uh-huh. It's still, you know, corporations, five large corporations that uh, I read real quickly. Vying, of course, for power and uh, with, you know, augmented uh, agents fighting each other uh, in a dystopian future. Easily adaptable or to, to Genesis with the shadow of the beanstalk, of course. Sounds like any and, other cyberpunk um, setting to me. <laughs> a little bit. Maybe with a more evil bad. Yeah. Well, that's it. But it seems like in this one, you're, you're really, you know, maybe more information about all the corporate machinations between each other. Yeah, that's so cool. Be some some good nuggets there, and it's only nine ninety five for the starter collection. Sweet. So we'll include the uh, the link in the uh, in the show notes too. Okay. Perfect. And um, don't forget to mention Con on the Cob Kickstarter though. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Yep. Oh, I'll, I'll have that. I'll have that. I, I found the link to that, and I'll have that in the show notes as well. That's got what? Yeah. Would you say ten days left? Ten days left at least. I've backed it to. Mm-hmm. I've already had my badge, so that's uh, okay. I didn't have to buy it. But I at least uh, backed it to the level where you need to encourage a young person, you know, to to attend. You know, yeah. Basically, buying their ticket if they can't oh, afford cool. it. So there's, there's stuff like that you can free. do. Nice. Yeah, but there's some where you know if they get older, they can they they still maybe have to buy a ticket. But you know. Cool. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's the it's the um, it's May twentieth right now that we're mm-hmm. recording. So it probably goes till May thirtieth. Just to let you guys know. Yep. Yeah. They've yeah. already met all their. Um, their yeah, original, they're, their goal. Yeah, they're minimally funded at least. So now it's just gravy. Nice <laughs> gravy our, for the ribs. I mean, for the uh, mm-hmm. the prize and man. one of our Nerds <laughs> International uh, alumni over at the Wild Eye Podcast is actually going to be one of the guests of honor this year. Ooh, yeah. Oh yes, Harrison. Yes. Right? Harrison yep. Hunt is going to be a gaming back. guest of honor from England. Yeah, he's coming back from the pond, jumping over the pond. Nice. Look forward to seeing him again. That'd be great. Yep. Yep. That would be awesome. Very good. And I think that's it I had for the news, I think. Okay. <clears throat> and then how, how are we going to do listener feedback this time, Tony? I think you're chaining it up on us a little. Yeah, we're going to incorporate some of our listener feedback in in the middle of our main show topic. Uh, mm-hmm. Because it's kind of pertinent to specific things mm-hmm. in uh, in the um, the books of Genesis, Part One, there and uh, and the name of our episode we're, is we are entitling this episode episode thirty three Craftapalooza. Nice. Hey, we, are, <laughs> we are we are crafting in this show, and um, I just wanted to let our listeners know that and for feedback next time. We will be doing next show. We've decided to jump in with a great idea that Stefan had the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to do a mailbag show. So we're going to, uh, we have some rather long exchange emails and messages back and forth with some of our uh, prol- prolifically written yes. uh, listeners. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yes. I'd like to share every thought of theirs. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. So uh, we, we're going to do it in a whole show. I can't go. believe we have enough mail that we could do a whole show. 
Thank there you, everybody. <laughs> yeah. And yes. she said so much more. to the challenge. Yes, you all did. All ten of you out there, or five, or however many we have. Well, I, think I think we're in double digits at least. So. At least. Elevensies. Woohoo! Woohoo! <laughs> uh, all eleventy one of you. Yes. All right, so. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm done no, with supper. Actually, I'm ready for dinner sometime. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get over to the books of Genesis, though, we have another show segment. Yes, of course. Are. All right, let's get into it. All right, welcome to 50 Pieces of Awesome. This is where Chris goes out to the dark web or the gray web or the light web. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And uh, finds us something shadowy or interesting. Yes. To chuck a sticky web. Something, yes. maybe. And we'll maybe chuck some coin at it. So tell us what you got this time, buddy. Well, actually, I went to the Matrix. No, not that Matrix, everybody. Though I did like John Wick 3 this weekend. Pretty freaking good movie. No, I went to and I found the Shadowrun Genesis Edition by Paul Emin Hoxonen. I've got a Facebook link here. also got a link, a direct, uh, like a Google Drive version of it that has bookmarks. Because, <laughs> wait, okay, so everybody, just wait. This thing has 637 pages. Yes. That was a six that I said. Yes, 637 pages of awesomeness. I don't know. I mean, there there's a lot here. Um, everything is here. Creating a character. This is Shadowrun. I haven't played Shadowrun a whole lot. A few sessions played, back in college. but I've, I've played when it came out. In okay. 1990, I bought the first mm-hmm. edition. <laughs> Way so back when. So there's a lot of stuff that came out. <laughs> so if any of you enjoyed that movie Bright on um, <laughs> with Will Smith that came out last year on Netflix, uh, yeah. and you want to say, hey, I want to play in that, that's what this is. That's effectively Shadowrun. Um, yeah. There's a neat section that was in there for contacts. Kind of makes me think of the factions, the way they did it kind of in, Sh- in, you know, in um, Shadows of the Beanstalk, almost as a currency. Um, but they have a connection scale and an influence scale. You know, I think the connection scale is like how you know how much you may trust them. Influences, you know, how much may, you may have done for them and whatever. Pretty interesting, okay. and they list out like fifty plus contacts. Everything from you know a firefighter to a gambler to you know a ID manufacturer. A mechanic, a janitor. I mean, all kinds of stuff. A hey, wizard. A wizard. <laughs> yeah. Wizard. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, there's that. What? They have 200 and half the freaking book almost is weapons, armor, cyber gear. 40 pages plus on that. Gear and tools, drugs and substances, and, you know, vehicles. Mm-hmm. I mean, almost 300 pages. 270 pages on all that stuff. Yeah. 
I remember the Shadowrun editions, you know, they had mm-hmm. supplements coming out, and yeah, they had books on weapons and armor, and then one on vehicles, and uh, cool. all with the, the blurbs, you know, sometimes from Shadowrunners who, oh, this this vehicle is crap, or this, oh, this gun is super, this <laughs> oh, one will... <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. And, and the cyber range. gear, mm-hmm. yeah, and the cyber gear will definitely help f- flesh out uh, what little there is in the Shadows of the Beanstalk. Yeah. Two I thumbs up it. from this guy. It's sweet. And then there's, and then they have about 20 pages on crafting, which is kind of nice, you know, a nice theme. You know, our show tonight is going to be on that. And then they've got, and of course in Shadowrun, if, if you guys haven't, if you don't know, there is magic in Shadowrun. But they do yeah. have only Arcana and Primal in this. They don't have um, Divine Magic in it. But they do have something called an Essence Score which is um, self-augmentation. So if you get like G-Mods or cybernetics and whatever, there's a, there's a mechanic I think they, they added in here which will affect you casting magic. Which is kind yeah, of- because that's one... Yeah, because that's what also part of Shadowrun core rules is that yeah, yeah you know, a wizard uses these essence points basically to power your spells or essence. But if you have cyberware, then it can reduce your pool. Ah, nice. That's interesting. Now, there's also one more thing in here which I like, and of course, us as you know, dicky GMs enjoy mm-hmm. spell mishaps. <laughs> there's like oh, yeah. four pages <laughs> of it, and yeah, you roll a one, you roll a d hundred, and there are a hundred different results. Yeah, they, nice. <laughs> and sometimes you know these mishap tables, you know, may have like maybe twenty or thirty, right? You know, with a range. No, no, no. There's a hundred different mishaps that can happen. <laughs> And then, this is amazing, uh, isn't it? Though? I, I just given a, I mean, just given it the once over, and I noticed the merits and flaws section. I thought was amazing. Uh, mm. The talents, oh my god, the talents! There's so many talents in here. There we I go. Love it. There is good stuff, and maybe talents you could pull into um, Shadows of the Beanstalk too. Mm-hmm. You know well, exactly. Just you know. Especially there's, for the mechanics about net running and stuff, you can mm-hmm. use. Yeah, like that. I was just gonna say, there's 30 pages on the matrix and how to run in the matrix, um, what they call right. the you know the net. Um, and there's there's a couple different actions. There's one there's one called garbage in, garbage out. Now, me being a programmer, <laughs> um, you know that means something to me. And you know, right. if you have like this algorithm, right? And if you're getting garbage coming into it, you're just going to get garbage coming out, no matter how good your your algorithm is, right? So that's a kind of a neat little that kind of spoke to me there. There's things like right. setting up data bomb, disarming a data bomb. So pretty neat um, things there that can maybe evoke, you know, more actions and make your net running more exciting. Yeah. Well, that's it. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. In later editions, you even came out with Shadowrun like source books for uh, the riggers. Yep. Yeah, that's and what once, they call. That's what they call runners, right? In there, they're riggers. Uh, no, there you've got net runners. Those are actually the guys who run the net. But the riggers basically use their techno- technology to re- control drones, especially. Oh. Okay. Ve- vehicles, any any kind of vehicles that would have a cybernetic cybernetic connection, you know, whether it's a, mm-hmm. a, a hopper, a hopper vehicle, or a motorbike, nice. or of course these these drones. So that I remember there's a couple of source books that came out just for the rigor, so lots of different options that they could... Well, they call them deckers. Are deckers? Yeah. Deckers right. are the Cy- runners, right? Right, deckers yeah, the deckers, so cyber decks. Deckers. So, for the decks. Cool. Because back then, when when the first source book came out for Shadowrun, the first uh, rule book, of course, you know, all this technology about being wireless 
wasn't really all that common for us. So uh, everyone, everyone had to oh, yeah, yeah. still plug in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so you didn't have the wireless connections to the internet, uh, gotcha. even though Dude, it was. I got to play this. Holy yeah. fuck. I mean, yeah. And there's, yeah, there's like 40 pages on like Hong Kong and, you know, laws and stuff like this. And then the last 80 pages of the book are adversaries. I mean, 80 nice. pages of adversaries. I mean, well, there's you, you've got, so much here. Well, yeah. I mean, if they're inspiring from Shadowrun, you've got more than just human beings as adversaries. Yeah, I mean, orcs with and, magic coming back, mm-hmm. well, with magic coming back, you can play orcs and elves, dwarves, uh, as well as ogres, uh, cool. as races. Trolls. And, yeah. And then, of course, since magic came back, you've got dragons, you've got chimeras, you've got uh, all kinds of these <laughs> mythical yeah. creatures that are now back. <laughs> so. That's awesome. That is pretty cool. But I just, I saw that and I'm like, wow, I can't believe I haven't, um, <clears throat> we haven't pulled this into 50 pieces of awesome before. But yeah, I just want to say hats off to you. And I believe somebody did put in... Um, the bookmarks here. So this book was originally over 660 pages, but whomever put in the bookmarks, thank you <laughs> for that. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> I can that help. helps yes. a lot. That helps mm. out a lot. Okay, so. Right. So there you go, Stefan. Oh, there you go. There you go. So to you, Mr. Paul M. N. Harkonnen. Not, no, Har- not Harkonnen. That's another... <laughs> sci-fi setting hack Conson, uh we award you 50 pieces of awesome mystical pieces of awesome <laughs> right maybe they're new yen yeah maybe new yen hopefully you're not allergic to new yen, yen. <laughs> all right all right so you want to get into the meat of this show then yep all right Okay, everybody, we are. T- it's time to open up your books of Genesis. Uh-huh. 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 Thank you. Hey, see, got a little bit of stereo going on there. Thank you. There you go. My um, backup singer. The <laughs> harmonies were amazing. Balls, isn't that yep. though? The harmonies. Next show, next show, all three of us. So it'll be a choir. <laughs> the Holy Trinity? No, okay, the Unholy Trinity. <laughs> awesome. And then we won't have to worry about making a podcast anymore because yeah. everybody will be yeah, like, uh, "We're done." No, <laughs> three. Okay, the three amigos then. <laughs> so yes, open up your Realms of Tiernoth book, everybody, to page one twelve. Page 113, if you're in a PDF like myself. Um, and we're going to be talking about crafting. So we're going to talk about, you know, the crafting process, what's what's needed. Uh, go through the, the rules. Um, th- there are a couple sidebars here we want to talk about. And then there's some, some specifics for alchemy that we're going to go into. Um, and we'll also mention, you know, crafting um, in uh, the ice and icebreakers in um in android and mm-hmm. we're going to go over some resources from the star wars um star wars rpg where you can pull some of these the information from as well so let's kick this thing off um so what's involved what do we need to craft something well, Stephen, first, go ahead well first you need you know the raw tool raw raw materials if you're crafting okay. a sword of course you need steel 
you know, or yep. iron to start with and other stuff. Mm-hmm. Then, you of course, you need your tools, your location, depending on the, uh, the kind of thing that you're crafting. If you're just crafting something simple and maybe something in the wilderness with uh, some wood, a little sharp stone and some feathers, I can make some arrows. But if you want something intricate like a sword or, uh, or a piece of armor, then you'll need a bit more. Or if you're you're starting to creating parts for a power suit or a souped-up car or a starship, well, then you might need you know micro factories and power tools and droids to uh, to help out. That's true. <laughs> so yeah, tools, tools and supplies and time. There you go. Tools, supplies, and time. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so we have in Terranoth, we have this setup where. You know, it tells you that you can basically make anything. It's just you characters can craft anything from swords to crossbows to clockwork devices with sufficient time, resources, and the skills. Mm-hmm. So, what is the skill check, though? Well, the skill check in this is going to be a, it's going to be a mechanics check by default. Okay, um, <clears throat> you would use a mechanics check, and one of the things that you have to do to determine your difficulty is figure out the rarity of the item that you're going to create. And once you know that rarity, you divide it by two, and then you round up, um, and yep. that's that would be the number of, of dice, you know, anywhere from an easy to the, you know, formidable check. Yeah, that's one reason why they have rarities of, well, one, zero to, to ten. Yep. Now, and... and- of course, you might further modify that with setback dice or boost dice accordingly. Yep. But mm-hmm. I, what would you say? And this is just a kind of a thought. What if, What would you say instead of rounding up if that half one you gave it a setback die? I could see that. I could totally yeah. see that. It makes it a little yeah. harder. It's not completely, you know, a full purple die, which I, you know, I don't know what really the 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 odds or rules i haven't done any of the number crunching on it but i think that sounds reasonable to me well there's a yeah. one in three chance of uh getting a blank side on a on a uh, setback die okay but there is yeah. a one in eight chance of getting a blank side on the uh difficulty die i would see that if especially if let's say for example someone's been crafting the same thing over and over you know, instead of having it instead of making an actual it a purple difficulty, oh, yeah, okay. make it just you know just a, a, setback a blacksmith setback. would would not you know have uh, that much difficulty crafting a sword if he's done it multiple times. There you go, that's cool. So, yeah, I like that. Yeah, it was just a thought I had. Yeah. But yeah. Um, and what one thing we missed is that the cost of your raw materials. Oh yes. Is going to be equal to half the cost of the item, so the book listed cost. So if we're talking about said sword, um, that well, let's let's look at a, an item here. Maybe I want to make a um, a suit a, a nice quiver. I want to make a nice quiver. It costs twenty five silver. Okay. So the cost is going to be half that. So and be twelve that's, silver and five copper. Or half that if you're just dealing with silver. You could just round up to, 12, to 13. Right, 12 or 13, yeah. right? Yep. Yep. But, yeah, uh, the rest of the, the cost is what's sort the rarity of... of the, what's the rarity of the quiver? Now, the quiver has a rarity of two, so the difficulty would be easy. Yep. One. Sounds, yeah. That sounds reasonable to me. And what else? I mean, yeah, and then, I mean, you can, 
you can go and and say, hey, you know, I'm gathering the tools. I'm gathering this these materials. I'll just buy the materials at a, you know, in town, or go out into the wilderness and just gather them up, right? Mm-hmm. In some yeah. way. Um, now, if you're making something a bit more intricate, how about magic items? Well, there's a sidebar here. Yeah, yeah there's a sidebar yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. And basically, uh, in Terranoth, it says that magic items are extremely rare. And mm-hmm. so, um, though there's no hard rules for creating magic items, there's a suggestion here. And it says, we suggest a starting difficulty minimum of hard. Mm-hmm. Three purple difficulty for even the most trifling magic item. With five purple difficulty for the most up, uh, for appropriate for most. So right, the formidable. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep, and and honestly, if you were going to be doing anything with rune crafting, if you were crafting your own rune, mm. I would totally make it always formidable. That's my opinion. There you go. Uh, because rune magic is so much more complicated than just regular magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but oh, uh, setting, you can even make it. I mean, this the you can even make a whole adventure around finding this rune or finding a component to a magic item. I know that, you know, there's what, the rod of seven parts or whatever in like this D-Shift-7-D system, right? Where you can (laughs) gather them up and, you know, create whole adventures on just gathering material. If one of your players wants to create like an uber hammer, you know, you have to find this, um, this magical... Maybe it's a meteorite up in the mountains that they have to yeah. go find. Or yeah, whatever. a rare meteorite fell into a volcano, and he yeah. wants to have that to, as the core of his hammer because he wants a flaming hammer. There you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A hammer made of uru metal? <laughs> Maybe. Well, as long as you're worthy. Then. <laughs> Nice. But I would see like rune, any kind of rune magic, creating runes, you'd almost have, you know, maybe nigh impossible for maybe a PC, since apparently dragons are the ones who are privy to only to that. And, well, know, I, meant, I mean, because there are deactivated runes that you can right. repair, and you know, I could see that as being a daunting or a formidable difficulty. Oh, definitely. You know, oh, yeah, then, you'll, then, then you can also have the players, you know, they have to go through maybe ruins to find ancient scrolls or tablets that even hint on, on how to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're quests. right. I mean, there's recipes for these items or well, yeah. instructions from somewhere well, that you would need well, to maybe find. The, the setting describes them as, as the dragons inscribing these runes upon these shards to bind them mm-hmm. and limit a bit their power and control them a bit more. Yep. So, uh, yeah, maybe they left notes. You know, they, they were writing their own little cliff notes. Okay, to do this rune, I have to do this. Carry the... EMC squares, and then, <laughs> and okay, then we try the room. There you go. Boom, this one explodes. Oops. Right. I inversed. I didn't. I so, divided instead of, you know, multiplying. Oops. There you go. So that's high end crafting. I mean, you've got the real mm-hmm. high end stuff there for your yeah. major mm-hmm. magical artisans, but we've got another sidebar on the next page that covers the low end kind of crafting. Oh, yeah. Buffing. Mm-hmm. And I think and, uh, you just touched on that, Stefan, a little bit ago. Yep. Yeah. And so, uh, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so basically this will be like using instead of mechanics, uh, they suggest maybe sometimes, for example, survival. If she wants to craft a really, you know, a trap, 
you know, pit trap or a snare or a spear, like in my example, arrows. You know, he's down a couple of arrows. The nearest town is three days away, so but he needs more. So of course, Legolas, you know, will, will use some of his bow or archery skills and you know craft some arrows. They won't be durable, but at least it'll 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 do for for his quiver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or as a GM, you could have him. You know, and again, that would be a survival check. Yeah. Or you could, as a GM, if you if they have the time and they're not trying to make something crude on the fly, you could have them make the survival check to find the supplies and then craft yep. uh, with the yeah. mechanics check. Yeah. yeah. Either yeah. way, whatever works for the situation or how you you want to go about it. So. So and that that last sentence in that sidebar is pretty interesting, though, too. That yes. the GM may oh, yeah. spend a despair on any check involving this item using, you know, crafted with survival to break it or make it become unusable. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I like that. That's kind of neat. That's it. So no matter what symbols come up, you know, play with that, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, got, it's got French written on the side. It says Frigile. Yes, that's mm-hmm. right. It's Frigile. It's Frigile, eh? <laughs> so when we do make so when so when we make a check like anything else, we have a table here, which yep. kind of gives us some guidelines to follow how to spend our advantage, triumph, disadvantage. Yeah. You know, our, yeah. you know, sorry, threats threat, and despairs. Threats and despairs. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, that's it. I like some of them. Mm-hmm. Some of them can be used like for multiple times. For example. Uh, if an item has a limited ammo quality uh, or otherwise limited in use, you can use two advantage, and your character makes an additional item. There you go. So, you know, because he was able to find you know proper materials, like oh, I have enough, you know, sharp stones to make uh, two arrows. Bonus. And every two advantage, you get one more item. Or triumph if you want to use a triumph uh, for that as well, which is kind of neat. Yep. I do like um, to spend a double... D- oh, go ahead, Tony. Nope. I, go ahead. Because uh, you're going to read what I was going to read. What was that? Double triumph? The double despair. Oh, the double, de- the double go ahead. despair. You, you yeah. Go ahead, you read it. <laughs> so, double despair. There is a terrible accident, and your character suffers, suffers a critical injury, or at the GM's discretion, some, re- some related narrative event can occur of equal distress, your character's anvil explodes. The smithy catches fire. Poison gases spread throughout the village. The, man, I hope someone rolls double despair on a crafting check sometime. I just that is like story fodder, like you wouldn't believe. And then he just turns like, "But I was just making arrows." What the hell? Let me guess. It'll be a it'll be a gnome tinkerer. Mm. <laughs> Alchemist <laughs> that is that creates like this poisonous gas that now the town has to be freaking abandoned. For yeah, I weeks. could see our I could see Dale's character Kevin trying to do something like that and having that result. <laughs> and I'll I'll jump into a little story because in a previous in another game I ran one time, there were no crafting rules, but I the character botched crafting something in the mm-hmm. rules that I had made up on the fly, mm-hmm. and they were trying to create a um a transmutation potion while sitting in an outhouse. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. They bought they botched it, which to me said they poured the potion down the toilet and then oh, are you kidding a, me? a yeah, a turd golem 
crawled out of the toilet of and attacked the entire party. <laughs> <laughs> Chased them all through the town. It was huge, and it was calling the person who ca- who created it, Daddy, Daddy. <laughs> you heard it here, folks, on Finding the Narrative. Even you can spend a spare on poo golems. Yeah, That's right, you turd golem. <laughs> turd golems. <laughs> Or poo elementals. However you want to call it, it don't matter. It's a shit storm either way. (laughs) It's a crappy time for the player, but yes it will. Uh, All right. No, what is what would you like in there? What I two triumphs? I I was gonna do the two triumphs. But there is that there is the one or the no, the two despair. But then the, the two um the one despair Whenever the item is damaged, it's damaged an additional step. So it's kind of you know you know with that survival skill, right? You can completely destroy the weapon if you create one. But with this, if you just have like a normal sword, right? And you roll a despair when you when you craft it. Oh yeah, sword is brittle. Uh, yeah, a couple is. more hits and. <laughs> so I've been watching. So I've been watching Forged in Fire. So there's um, what do they call them? Shunts, not shunts. Ah, mm. oh, crap. Darn I've watched it. a few of those. I've yeah, watched those a few of those. Neat. Those are pretty neat. Little mishaps. And I was like, ooh, mm-hmm. he, he got a couple of threats right there. That's right. <laughs> You're trying to fold your steel, but you didn't like clean it first or when you put the pieces of the steel together or whatever. Or just to hit weld too hard, the wrong angle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so speaking of, speaking of that alchemist... Mm. Shall we go into maybe talking about how alchemy is kind of different here? When yes. Yep. Yep. I think one yep. of the main things... Oh, you know what? One thing we missed was the time, time. it takes. Yes. Oh, yes. So the time it takes is one day plus the number of days equal to the rarity of the item. And you can spend advantage to reduce that time to craft by one day. Or for myself, sometimes I do multiple successes makes things quicker too. So... I mean, it's kind of up to you, I think, as a, as, as a GM to rule on that. Yeah, because it just takes one success to say you crafted the sword. So maybe convert two or three of those successes, extra successes, to equivalent of an advantage. Right, yeah, yeah, you did it in a day or something, right. But yeah. so, I was, so that leads me into the main difference is when you're brewing a potion for, like, say, alchemy, it's one hour plus mm-hmm. a number of hours equal to the rarity. That's one yeah. of the big differences. And you use the alchemy skill instead of mechanics. Yep. That's the other one. And mm-hmm. an alchemist lab or kit is required mm-hmm. in order to try. Right. You just don't promotion. get the you just don't get a boost die for having nope. the right tools for the job for an alchemist lab or kit. You need those tools. So yep. if if you have a player like Stefan that's that's pouring <laughs> himself out for a boost eye all the time. Yeah, you say no, sorry, you need those are required, not the right that's tool it. for the job in this game. <laughs> that's okay. Then you just you know once you have enough money, you just buy the uh, the expert alchemy kit, which automatically gives you a boost eye. <laughs> there you go. See, Stefan, you do find the boost eyes, don't you? Yeah. yeah, there's always ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like with crafting normal items with alchemy, we have a chart. Yep. Yeah, these we are chart, neat. Chart 2 17 on page 114. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it uh, covers everything from a single uh, advantage all the way to double despair. Which so. is actually, I kind of <laughs> like this. I like the, I like the single advantage. A character who uses a potion, heals a strain or a wound, 
in addition to whatever normal effect. So maybe you're maybe you're drinking an antitoxin, right? Um, to prepare yourself to maybe prepare yourself for a, a poison or whatever like this. But when you drink it, you heal a strain or a wound. I think it's determined yeah. when you when you um, choose it when you create the alchemist uh, when you create the the potion. So that's kind of yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I mean, and that's one thing I really enjoy about the Genesis method here is when, you know, if you played a rogue in D shift seven D your, your potions or your poisons that you mm-hmm. used, if you played an assassin, they always had a set difficulty. They, they were written, it was written in stone, what the difficulty mm-hmm. was, all that. There wasn't a lot of change to that. Uh, you went and looked up the poison you wanted. You got the difficulty of the saving throw against it done. Well, in this, you spend a triumph when creating a poison or extracting a poison, and you upgrade the difficulty of checks to resist the poison's effect once. You can spend a triumph on that. Yep. So it makes yep. a more potent concoction. Nice. So you would use, so that was going to be my question. Do you use mechanics or alchemy to do poisons? And it looks like you use, you use alchemy yep. to when you, can you create use alchemy. Poisons. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. You guys have any other favorites? No, I like the uh, the double triumph. Choose one other potion of lower rarity, you know, whatever is more common, and add its effect to the potion you're creating. So the potion that allows me to fly for a while also, you know, makes me more difficult to hit. <laughs> for example, po- or, or heals a little bit. is a healing potion, also. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's cool. That could be cool. And of course, if you roll two despairs, if you don't want to blow up your alch- the alchemist lab, mm-hmm. you could say the potion is beneficial, but they're poisoned by it. Yeah, as well. <laughs> and then you know, you know that healing potion heals your wounds, but you're going to take a shit ton of strain because you're poisoned. <laughs> yeah. Or my invisibility potion, like Tony's example. Also, like, ooh, ooh, it's not going down well. Ooh, my intestines are burning. <laughs> you got Montezuma's revenge from this potion. That's right, because mm-hmm. he made it with milk. Your, your yeah. rogue is lactose intolerant, and he made it That's with, like, it. goat's milk. <laughs> so he's farting all over the place, so making it be a little easier to detect. <laughs> your, enemy, your enemies get the boost die. <laughs> I do, I do kind of like the character who uses a potion is disoriented for two rounds. That's a. I was just about dis- to call that. That's my oh, personal favorite. Oh, it is. I, cool. I see that as like the potion has a euphoric, almost drug-like yeah. effect. <laughs> yeah, baby. And so that's a single despair. You can mm-hmm. have this potion have a euphoric, drug-like effect, mm-hmm. and they're disoriented for two rounds. What's yeah, disoriented again? That's adding a setback die to all checks, pretty much, right? That's what disoriented yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Waving his hand in front of his face, like "Woo, vapor trails, man, cool." <laughs> or, or your your archer's getting ready, you know, take take something. Yeah. He's getting ready to shoot. He's like, just starts grabbing yeah. at the spots in front of his face, you know. <laughs> These damn fairies in front of my eyes. Trying to yeah. catch the butterflies. That's right. <laughs> All right, now well, we have cool. a couple more paragraphs here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have. Uh, go ahead and uh, tell us about other potions and elixirs, guys. One of I'm, I didn't read that one. Other I, potions, elixirs. Mm-hmm. Let's see, go to the. Yeah. So oh, yeah, basically, it's one of those things. These other potions and elixirs. If it's not on, 
It's you know you're not you're not restricted to what was listed on what does it say page one hundred two to one hundred four. There are potions listed there. You can make up your own. You could maybe combine some stuff. And I think it's more of a you just work your free GM on that, and they'll have the final say on the difficulty of the check. If you're a veteran gamer, you remember potions from forty other game systems. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, pull one out of your cap so to speak. <laughs> what do you think I was going to say? <laughs> yeah. So here, so here's one. So here's one. So this last, um, so here's an example the, the very last sentence in this, for instance, you know, a poison is intended to render a character or a target unconscious could function just like a regular basic po- poison, but it inflicts strain instead of wounds. You know, if you don't want to like outright kill them, just knock them out. So yeah, poisons can have different effects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They can just have, you know, Putting someone to sleep or actually killing them, but doesn't have to be death. Yep. Some, yep. Sometimes you want to capture that guy, and you know, so mm-hmm. that's one way of doing it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, some are regeneration and protective tonics. You know, your defensive magics, uh, bottle courage. So you know, can you better, better able to resist fear? Oh. Yep. <clears throat> We're good starting points for uh, for kind of things. Yeah. Well, exactly. So usually these are like almost like minor effects of magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then we have then we have the next section here is alchemy ingredients, and I guess that kind of goes. They just talk about you know you may send them off on a quest to go um, find these ingredients in the in the wilderness or whatever. Maybe some ingredients you can't purchase, um, and the ingredients for a potion cost half the price of the final product. Um, mm-hmm. And then it says, with the rarity, half of that of the desired potion or elixir rounded up. A difficulty equal to that rarity. The difficulty, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So and, that's... Uh, and at this point, we also had a bit of listener feedback from mm-hmm. Nicholas Green on Facebook. Mm. He says, I'd be especially interested in any tips on alchemy or in collecting materials in an interesting way. I always, I'm always worried I will bore my players with the collection of materials. Um, and, and, and I put, if you're bored with making them hunt for materials, use advantage and triumph on other checks to gather them coincidentally. That's a brilliant so, idea. Great mm-hmm. lists of, there's a great list of checks here. Uh, survival, of course. Uh, perception, vigilance, negotiation. You could find them in a in a store that way. Okay. Charm. Someone may give you something. Is ooh, here's a here's a small unguent for the potion uh, potion. I see you're an alchemist. Oh. Or um, leadership. People could uh, even in underlings would be like, sir, I found this. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I knew you were well, looking for something like this, and I found it. <laughs> yeah. Advantage yeah. and triumph rolled on those other checks can be used to just. Mm-hmm. Put the materials in your players' hands. And maybe if you want them to be using crafting and they aren't, that's a great way to put those materials in their hands yes. and give them the idea to do it. Right. Yeah. yeah. So if you have your if you have your scout make a make a survival check to track an enemy, right? You can yeah. you can say, Hey, you know, for those couple of advantage, you actually see what? King's foil, <laughs> you yeah, know, the, the king's, weed, you know, to make like a healing potion that or you're, something. That's mm-hmm. it. Your your friend, the the, the, the alchemist, the druid. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 there's like 
you can even have things like alternative recipes that you could give them. You know, okay, yes, you're used to your players like they're looking for king's foil to make a healing potion. Well, okay, well maybe they're given an alternative recipe by someone that's uh, another less rare ingredient that they yeah. find walking along the road as they travel, and it's a it was a you know as a triumph that'd be a good one for a triumph mm-hmm. and say in a negotiation oh, yeah. check or king's or even foil, oh this witch hazel is much better <laughs> right <laughs> and it's it's much more common but the recipe is rare mm. and therefore only a handful of people would know that this common ingredient is just everywhere to be gathered mm-hmm. can be used to make that uh potion yeah, yeah. so yeah. yeah and even some of these skill checks might uh you know these advantages and triumphs might just give them some information on where to find the next ingredient. You know, maybe if some ingredients are rare, it's like, oh yes, we've heard that. Uh, you know, there is a manticore living uh, in some hills nearby, and uh, yeah. maybe that's what they need. You know, the the poison extract of the manticore's tail. Well, yeah. there's one living over nearby, and he's terrorizing our village. <laughs> and then there's also one last thing: if your players, uh, you you really like want to move your story forward, and your players are really wanting to. I I gotta find the ingredients to make this potion. Have them flip a story point. They found them. Done. It's over with. Yeah, that's perfect. That's yeah, it. I think that's perfect. <laughs> you yeah. could, as a GM, you can just wave it and go, "Yep, you found that manticore horn at at a at a local swap meet." Mm-hmm. There we go. Yeah, and I think that's a completely reasonable, you know, unbalancing or balanced kind of way to to spend a story point. You're not gonna worry about. No. About it, yeah. <clears throat> no, the idea, the, the idea is that they want the potion or unguent or whatever alchemy product. Yeah, they want to roll the dice and make their check. That's it, and then, successful. and then they'll be able to, to use it. So, moving on. <laughs> right, and yeah, cool. so that's pretty much the crafting rules we have in Terranoth. Yes. Mm-hmm. Pretty simple. It'll cover crafting of most items in a fantasy setting. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's other settings for Genesis. Mm-hmm. Like our new, newer, newest setting. What's that, Tony? Ah, uh, Shadows of the Beanstalk. Android. Yes, Unfortunately, Android was such a big book, they couldn't include any crafting rules in but, there for crafting items. But they have rarities, right? But they have rarities. But they have they have they have they have prices of things, right? They have prices. And time exists, right? And time <laughs> exists, exists in that realm too. So there you go. So you can craft anything. <laughs> That's, it. That's Use right. Use these you rules just, for it, really. Just bring them over. Make it appropriate. <laughs> work with your GM about the how to spend the advantage and the mm-hmm. threat. You know, not everything is going to make sense uh, using mm-hmm. the original charts. But if you wanted to craft a uh, craft an, a, a, a mundane item in in Shadow mm-hmm. of the Beanstalk, it can't be that much more difficult than doing right. so in Realms of Terror. Yeah, and you can use, like, like if you want to um, kitbash together a computer, right? Like, mm-hmm. if, if, you're, if your runner is, is in a, like, you know what I think of? I think of that, mo- that sh- movie, what was it? Was it Johnny Mnemonic? Where he went into this, this place, to this uh, store, and he just started putting things together, you know? Mm-hmm. And created his own little connection up to the web. That's a crafting check. But it's using yeah. computers instead. Yeah. Just use yeah. common or, sense with it. Yeah, I mean, it's perfect to do well, that. Well, yeah, and, and you'd have one guy who, 
moves into to fire firearms. Maybe he has a small machine shop and he makes his own mm-hmm. crafting checks. You know, he has the right tools. He's got a machine shop, arc welders, 3D printers. Mm-hmm. He wants smart guns, circuit boards, and uh, laser yeah. sights. So to determine the cost of, you know, what kind of gun that he wants, just use one of the stock guns in the book. Exactly. You want something a little different? Fine. You know, we'll tweak it. You know, and depending on the advantages that you roll or threats, you know, we'll see. You know, you add a hard point, you, the gun is inaccurate for some reason or you know, yep. <laughs> might blow up in your hand <laughs> later on. <laughs> we'll bank that uh, despair for now. <laughs> now, now, for ice and icebreakers, it's a little bit – it's the same, but it's a little different. Mm-hmm. And it, I have kind of a house rule, a set of house rules that I use for, for – um, for ice and icebreakers. If the players are making it, crafting check just like normal. And we actually did this in our last episode of um, mm-hmm. the brewery, the brewery yeah. where I had uh, Jamie's uh, runner make a crafting check to craft a piece of icebreaker that yeah. he needed and um, figured out the amount of time he was going to need to do it, figured out uh, the, uh, the cost of it, Mm-hmm. You know he, uh, and uh, then the um, the rarity to write yep. the program, I and all it was use, was I would probably use with alchemy. You know, based on hours instead of days. If you're going right. to craft ice, program. yes. If you're writing programs, mm-hmm. you don't need days. Yeah, probably hours. Hours. Yep. 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 Was it, and, and and did you have him roll his computer his hacking skill? Yep. He was making an icebreaker, so yes, right. he so was hacking. Hacking. If he had been making ice for his yeah. own rig, would he would have used sysops. Yep, that's what I thought. And um, and then if you have an NPC that's crafting custom software, the easiest way to do it is to, for me, it was is to apply instead of uh, just change the software the way you need it to, one minor tweak here and there, mm-hmm. and then apply and then apply their um, adversary rating to the difficulty of the check against that. If it's mm-hmm. if it's the if it's the player trying to uh, get past their ice, particularly right. uh, throw their adversary rating into yeah. the code. And, yeah. and, and and those checks are going to be average, right? You know, to break mm-hmm. ice, it's average. So right. I mean, you have an adversary one, adversary two. You'll be you know one red, one purple, or two red. Which is still a decent check, but you'll have that chance for despair for them to well, get that's it, crazy. You know, because that, yeah. yeah, because that custom firewall mm-hmm. is pretty nasty for whatever reason. Yeah, he made it oh, yeah. specifically for his system. Mm-hmm. Right, and if your and if your player rolls, you know, again, if your if your player rolls when they're crafting the icebreaker, if they roll a bunch of advantage or they roll a bunch of a, a triumph or two, feel free to like. You know, kind of let it copy some of the abilities of another piece of ice, or do something just a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it keeps the ice that it breaks down for an extra round. Right. Um, things like that. Um, that's gives a, them a boost. Die. I, I think you, we mentioned last night when we were talking. You know, gives them a boost. You know, looking at this uh, mm-hmm. this alchemy chart. You know, mm-hmm. spend mm-hmm. one advantage exactly. adds a boost die to their next alchemy check. This mm-hmm. icebreaker gives them a boost die to their first time they use this icebreaker. Yeah, yeah. So it so. ties up the system a little bit, giving them yeah, a boost die to try and break or access another part of the uh, the system. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And so now cool. for the 
for the last little bit of knowledge I have uh, to sh- or we have to share. Uh, so we've been, you know, we've had this other game, the sister game to Genesis. <laughs> It's been out there oh, I don't know, a few oh, years. Sister or crazy uncle? Crazy mother. I don't know. Um, perhaps uh, uncle. Uncle. Un- uncle is crazy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Crazy the, green uncle. <laughs> yeah, that's the Star Wars game, uh, yeah. and they've all these crafting rules came from that game. Yeah. And I just wanted to share that if you want. To, if you don't want to just use the Terranoth ones and you want to get in-depth mm-hmm. with how to do a specific type of item, like mm-hmm. armor or a weapon, there are books. Each one of them, um, I'm going to list here. We'll start with armor. Armor is available in Keeping the Peace, which is a source book for Guardians. In and the it's Force on of pa- Destiny. Force and Destiny. the Force of Destiny line. Mm-hmm. And that is on page 90. And just to give you an idea, like, um, you know, these are modern armors. This is for Star Wars. So you've got, like, segmented armor, which would be like your... Um, brigandine. Yeah, your uh, brigandine. It's going to cost 2,500 yeah. credits or 2,500 units of measure. Mm-hmm. It's going to have... And uh, it's going to have a daunting difficulty. And it's going to take 72 hours for you to make it. And then it's got some base stats here of plus two soak, plus one defense, six encumbrance, and four hard points. Now, if I remember correctly, in that crafting system, you had to choose a template, if you will. Yep. And, yep. That's, and that's and, what I was getting at. Oh, okay. Go, go, go yep. for it. In that system, you choose a template, which mm-hmm. gave you all the other stuff that you needed, which was the cost and the and the time and the and the difficulty of the check and a basic profile for it that gave you that and then it also gave you a hard-coded difficulty Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was vehicles and then or sorry for armor then for vehicles vehicles and starships we go over to the age of rebellion line to fully operational source book for engineers and that is going to be on page 78 76 Sorry, 76. And yeah, we, uh, I, forgot, I lost my email from Ty. <laughs> oh, you did? Yeah, I have to bring it up here in a minute. But uh, yeah, we have uh, the same thing. You choose a template, there's a, a lot longer time involved in building a vehicle. It's going to be weeks and months, depending on the size of the vehicle. Yeah, Ty's question was. How would you like a mech slash Zoid in the game from first step to last? Or how would you make, I guess, mm-hmm. a mech in the game from and, first step to last? And if it was in a setting where those things are common, I would use these rules. If you're in a setting where those things aren't common, that would be an entire adventure, in my opinion. <laughs> but... In a setting like that, you basically you would go uh, on page 79 here. There's the walker template. That's going to be a walking vehicle. Mm-hmm. A, a, a Zoid or a, a, a Mecca mm-hmm. would be that kind of vehicle. And that's your template. It's going to have a silhouette of three, a hull threshold of 15. It's going to have a sensor range of close, uh, pilot, one crew pilot, Um Encumbrance capacity of two and nine customization hard points. And then you would go from there and begin crafting the vehicle. Yep. And 
There's a sidebar for maximum speed for vehicle based on its silhouette. Uh, and mm-hmm. there's, it's very detailed. And I would suggest to Ty that you go to this book mm-hmm. and build from the ground up there. Now, if you're just building something as a GM, you don't have to follow these rules. Just make it the way just you make want. It. Yep. Yeah. But if your players want to build something like guy. that, mm-hmm. here's the place to do it. Right. <clears throat> Absolutely. Okay. And then everything else we have examples of all in one book. Which are uh, the, the like the weapons, your cybernetics, and your like automatons. What book are those? Droids. Like? Droids. Uh, they're in... So Edge of Rebellion, or Edge, Edge of the Empire book. Edge of the Empire, Special yeah. Modifications, a source book for technicians. There we go. And it begins on page 74 and goes all the way through page 85, and that includes brawl and melee weapon crafting. Mm-hmm. It includes ranged weapon crafting, yep. droid crafting, or automatons. You could use it for golems if you wanted to, um, or androids in an android setting. Mm-hmm. Um Gadget crafting, if you're making, um, that's basically your normal little device, like a comlink. Yep. Or your little flying droids or whatever. And then cybernetic crafting at the end. And all the same thing, choose a template that gives you a hard code of difficulty and the cost and the time it's going to take. And then a chart listed right there with it to uh, give you examples and ways to spend your triumphs, your advantage, your threats, and your despairs. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Appreciate that, Tony. Finding all those pages and such. Well, I have all these books. books. Yeah, I know too. (laughs) I just, I'm a completionist. I have them all myself. (laughs) Right, and you know, folks, there's not, unfortunately, there's not PDF versions of these, but you can find these books out there. Uh, They're available mm-hmm. on Amazon. They're available mm-hmm. at your friendly local game store. Yeah, FFG's website, I'm sure. Yep. And oh, yeah. they're they're great resources for mm-hmm. Genesis as well as hey, you can play Star Wars too. Yep. yep. And they do they did announce a new a new book, gear and tools or whatever. More gears coming out for Star Wars. Yeah. As and if there's I not betcha enough. they'll consolidate yeah. all the crafting rules into that book possibly. Oh. Hmm, that's interesting. It's well, just a cool. thought. So that's our that's crafting in Genesis, everybody. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I would I would like to mention that there there is in the core rules. I mean, we wanted to go over the 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 realms of Tirnoth, which really takes these these rules from the the core book, creating an item, to another another level. You know, I mean, because there's right. an armor cost. You're you're adding. Soak and whatever. Right on. I think we went over this in our last gear show anyway. To do this anyway, so. Yep. Cool. So, you want to go set the tone? Let's go set the tone. Let's setting the tone. Welcome to Setting the Tone, folks. This is where we talk about a section of one of the books of Genesis and read kind of the fluffy bits, the dessert parts. This mm-hmm. is where we get your juices flowing for the creative portion of the game. Don't say juices. That, that'll get Stefan excited. 
<laughs> but uh, we like decided. When, like when Chris talks about his meat. <laughs> hey, 20 pounds of ribs, man. There you go. Watch it. That's a lot. That's a lot of meat. That's right. a lot of meat. So, yeah, we last we were when we last visited Terranoth, we were talking about the elves. Yep. And uh, now this time we've now that we have Stefan with us, we decided to talk about the younger races. Mm-hmm. And that's the troubled rise of the younger races, and it begins on page twenty nine of the Book of Terranoth and goes clear through to page thirty three. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and uh yeah. So this is the basically the time directly after the the elves had their big split and they had the war of the shadow tier. Yeah. Yeah, the, the 11 tribes kind of at war with each other with the one of the tribes becoming the deep elves or the dark elves. Mm-hmm. Yep, deep elves. And the daywolves. The daywolves. Yes. Yep. Yes. And so there was this um, shortly after that and you're not sure what caused it to happen, uh, but the portals that were opened with the the tears um, to the infernal realm flooded the realm of Terranoth with uh, infernal power and created the younger races, dwarves, orcs, and humans, for example. There's others. um, I uh, I forgot reading this now. And that dwarves, that dwarves, orcs, and humans—they all kind of came from the infernal power that was released through. That's interesting. It wasn't just them, though. That you've mm-hmm. got the gnomes and the cat folk and goblins and and other races. Just those are the ones that are mentioned. Who cares about gnomes? <laughs> I don't. But uh, maybe somebody <laughs> just, just, just put yeah. a little red hat on them and stick them in the garden. <laughs> One of That's our right. eleventy-one listeners might. They might. That is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. so so that's that's pretty that's pretty interesting. Yeah. And uh, so the elves, being concerned about the uh, the birth of these new races, decided you know they had a big they had a big what to do about it. They had to sit down and talk about it and have a debate. Probably lasted a year since they're elves, okay. and uh, they decided that they would uh, let the lo- younger races live. How kind of them. Yes. And develop their own civilizations. <laughs> Dragons weren't so weren't so no. pleased with the birth of the younger races. That's right. Yeah, they no, weren't too happy about that. No, so, but they, they still didn't do anything about it. They're just like, ah, screw you guys, we're going home. That's right. <laughs> they packed their bags and went home. They well, they yeah. went back to the rocky crags of the of the far yeah. north. Yep. <clears throat> to which we still say thank you very much. <laughs> exactly. We need to drag it around every corner. God. Yeah. <laughs> so then we had this time, they, what they call the years of hunger. What's that about, Chris? Well, there was a great cataclysm that nobody knows about. How, what caused it? And it was like quakes and upheavals that kind of wrecked the world. And um, yeah, you know, tsunamis, temp- tsunamis, and, uh, just whatever. cataclysmic events. Um, Cats and dogs living together. Exactly, kind of like our primordial, primordial <laughs> machina, right? Um, world yeah. kind of tore it all apart and whatever. It tore the lens asunder. Um, some say that the infernal energies kind of did it, or that it was probably um, the work of the um, the die wealth or uh, 
they, they will. will. The, the you know the deep elves that you know put in acting their revenge on the world. <clears throat> I we'll never think, know. Will I we? personally think <laughs> it was the elves. Their elven rites designed to seal the, all the portals shut, and it just backfired on them. Or there was some mishap. Mm-hmm. That's what I believe. Be- I mean, it could be multiple reasons depending on your game, you know. Exactly. Combination of. If you mm-hmm. wanted to set your tone of your game to a Conan type mm. time frame where yeah. men are men are savages and are primitive and civilizations are small and, and resources yeah. are meager. City years States of hunger. And- would be the perfect time. It to do would that. be yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Tribes of orcs running around on their mm-hmm. big creatures. Uh, think Dothraki uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> hordes. Yeah. And, uh, there you go. Even but the dwarves good- would be in, would be not as civilized either, living in their mountains or hills and coming down to pillage. Right, and and they <laughs> say, and the scholars are saying, in the second paragraph here talks about. How um, this cataclysm happened like several thousand years after the elves arrived in the mortal realm. And um, in the wake of that destruction, it almost kind of lifted, you know, humanity, the orcs and and dwarves up to to play a bigger role in shaping the world, shaping the history, which is interesting. I kind of I kind of like that, you know, put the world in hardship and these younger races rose to the challenge. Well, maybe mm-hmm. that infernal energy helped these, you know, maybe ancestors of the these races evolve faster. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, from you know, from monkeys or. Uh, <laughs> well, the necessity of surviving in such a yeah. harsh world yep. would push you forward too. It push mm-hmm. the uh, the wheel yeah, of industry forward. Well, that's it. You know, yep. necessity being the mother of invention. Okay, we need to develop. Weapons and armor to defend ourselves, to protect uh, ourselves. All these damn lava flows. We need something to protect us from that. Oh, how yeah. about stone roof? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Exactly. Stone walls and stuff. Yeah, that's it. That'll help. Mm-hmm. And uh, we need to grow stuff. We can't just hunt and hunt and hunt until there's nothing around. Well, what if we grew some stuff in this land here you know, yeah. and water it? And every season we, we, we can make yeah. bread out of this stuff. Wow. <laughs> and then speaking of like what you mentioned, like the Dothraki. Right, which are the you know the tribes, the marauding barbarians and whatever. Um, yeah, they kind of that's kind of where the race, you know, the humans kind of came from, I believe. And it looks in this last paragraph and the next paragraph, last paragraph of twenty nine and the next paragraph talk about how the humanity kind of spread from the roost steps into the lands that are now Tirnoth, you know, when you yep. where you have that. And, you know, because Tirnoth they had the places for them to survive, like the pools and lakes to, to you know, to Yeah, arable lands, have, forests, um, was yep. less harsh than the roof steps. Uh, actual encouraging yep. agriculture, uh, river trade. <coughs> they were able to create farmsteads and villages and such and well, it, that's it, it. Rose, and that then way. small small villages rose into Cities and eventually, you know, better, better structures there. Uh, castles eventually to repel the the hordes or whatever opponents they may have. Mm-hmm. Sweet. 
we get over on page 30, we have the sidebar about the dubious myth of rec- uh, to recorded history. So this is about the time where actual history begins to be recorded by people, mm-hmm. either through verbal legend or through actually writing it down. And so this is where the scholars kind of, of Greyhaven kind of write the, they draw the line here. Everything prior to this is just elves being hoity-toity and... <laughs> and Cryptic. Uh, and cryptic and you know you never know with an elf whether you're getting actual history or whether you're getting some sort of allegory yeah poem <laughs> so i don't want metaphors this, of my history i want facts right what the hell happened <laughs> yeah and so anything they consider reading a real event would be anything that occurred around the time of the great cataclysm and the mm-hmm. years of hunger and then onward yep yep that's kind of cool yeah, and I actually I like this I like this next part, <laughs> the early history of the dwarves. Mm, my favorite section of this whole book, by the way. Mm. Well, so <laughs> we'll talk. Let's talk about it, Tony. Go ahead, start it off. Well, I like the fact that um, this the, again it's written in the first person, like mm-hmm. it's a scholar who's telling you, yes. and the first thing this scholar tells you is, yeah, okay, so elves they're really secretive and cryptic. Dwarves just won't fucking tell you anything. <laughs> <laughs> they don't put that exact words in here, but that's effectively what they're saying. <laughs> Pretty much. It took a it took what? a lot of alcohol to try even a little information. Which is it awesome. took the scholar getting a sailor, a female drum, dwarven sailor, drunk <laughs> and putting things together from the rune scribes guild libraries in the dwarven homeland. <laughs> But it took that much to get like the early history stories of the dwarves. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great. <laughs> and yeah. one of the, the coolest things, tell us about the epic of Helka the Bold. Okay. This is neat. Yeah. Helka the Bold amongst the dwarves, she was a skilled miner. And uh, she had a daughter by the name of Valnir. Her daughter Valnir grew sick. So Helka refused to accept that her daughter was going to die. And so she searched deep into the heart of the molten heath, as it's called, which is mm-hmm. the, the, the land of dragons, yeah, yeah. to find a dragon and demand that it help her or beseech it, whichever mm-hmm. came first, that it help her. And fearlessly, she faced this ancient dragon yeah, I could and, see a smog type dragon, right? Yeah, I mean, yep. <laughs> and you know, I could see this bearded woman standing there shaking her fist at this dragon. You will help me. <laughs> the dragon gestured to the walls of its cave, and Helka saw claw carved runes covering the rock. The dragon would let her use the runes to save her daughter, but in turn, the dragon took her sight so yeah. that she could not pass the knowledge on to others. <laughs> so she learned the runes. She took them back to the village. She saved her daughter's life. Yeah. But then, being typical to a dwarf, she went back. She Stop felt on. her way back to the dragon's cave mm-hmm. with her hands, mm-hmm. then hand-studied and copied the runes to bring them back to teach yeah. everyone. She memorized them all. She memorized yeah. them. Yep. 
Yep, yeah. and, and so, taught and, them. This is this is cool. And that's what brought rune crafting to the dwarves. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the dragon was very pissed about that. <laughs> All dragons were pissed about it. <laughs> I wonder what happened to that dragon. <laughs> Maybe he got punished. <laughs> you know, I could see that dragon being around still, deep in the crags, and I being. I don't because Killzak killed him about ten, twelve episodes ago <laughs> with one swing. Oh, is, that, is, that, is that the dragon that he killed? That would probably Maybe. be the one. Maybe. But uh, yeah, no, I could see that dragon being around and having oh, a grudge yeah, against dwarves, and that oh, would be a yeah. great storyline for an entire campaign. Or maybe yes. Killzak, you know, was was helped by other dragons. Like, kill that dragon because he he has loose lips. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's the one that let That's it all default. go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And it's interesting right. that these ruins had all of this knowledge. I mean, when you're thinking of not just like you know, like the rune crafting, you know, we're talking about magic. It had no. it had secrets of metalworking, the riddle of steel, if you want, if you will, <laughs> farming, masonry, and anything else you want to pull from that you could think of. What else? What else could have been in those runes? Written language. There you go. The dwarves could have been traditional verbal storytellers prior to that. You don't really know. It doesn't say. Nope. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. All kinds of skills. And they but, call this the Karak Dome. Dome? How, you, how would you pronounce that? Karak? Oh, that, Dome. Karak Doom. Karak Doom is... Karak um, Doom is a gift of dragons. Is what, it's, the, it's what they called the new home they built after they got all this knowledge. Oh. That's what... The, it oh, was a city. Right. The gift of oh, and it called, or gift of dragons, yeah. Yeah, they they built great cities of brass and basalt in the mountains overlooking these verdant lands that they had found, and they called their home the Karak Doom, or gift of dragons in the dwarven tongue. Mm-hmm. And for many years, they worked to build the realm and of stability and peace. And Helka the Bold continued to study the secrets of the runes, and her daughter Valnir became the great leader of her people. Mm. That's cool. That was, That's a neat but story. That was not meant to last. No. No. <laughs> no. Because, like they do, dragons don't take too kindly to getting their stuff stolen. Nope. nope. And whenever and you have so, a section called the War of Fire, mm-hmm. it's not going to end well. <laughs> no, right? no, it's not. It's not a marshmallow uh, roast. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> so the dragons, being upset that the dwarves stole their knowledge, invade it. Yeah. And uh, though the dwarves fought valiantly, it says, such a war could only have one outcome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one by one, the cities were burned. <laughs> now, this is cool. What happened? So, what happened here? This is yeah. um, so they're so they're so they have this. So the dwarves just mass exodus, right? Right. You know, got to be leaving. And this black ember gorge <clears throat> and um, Helka. <laughs> old and frail Helka led an army, blind old and frail Helka led an army against the dragons, telling her daughter to get these people out of here and get them out. And what she did is she unleashed all of the power that she remembers of the runes to destroy this pass and bury and kill some dwarves. Um, many dragons. Well, many dragons, <laughs> and of course the dwarves that stood next to her. Man, would that be a freaking epic battle! Yes, badass. That is yeah. badass. Man, I wish I had a mom like Helka. That's that's where <laughs> all the budget. Man. That's where all the, si- the 
special effects budget comes in. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> so where'd they go? Where did all these dwarves go then after this battle with the dragons? Not they, Disneyland, that's for sure. Well, I mean, <laughs> if the dragons are going to burn your cities down, if you keep building them, what do you do? You keep build hide. them underground. Yeah, you hide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Go where so, they can't go. <laughs> the dwarves moved into the treeless hills and steep ravines of south that bordered the molten heat mm-hmm. uh, to the southwest, and eventually they went deep underground. Um, and built the city of Yurthrite's Forge, uh, named as a reminder of the glory of their former kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they also um, renamed this mountain range where they built their lands, and they called them the Dunwar, which means sanctuary in Dwarven. Yep. And the children of Valnir became the first of the Deep Lords, or the kings of the dwarves. Mm-hmm. That's such a cool story. Yep. yep. Nice. Yeah, and it's it's riddled with background cool information that Isn't you could use for a great campaign. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. finding one of these old dwarven cities, these old yeah, ruins absolutely. that the dragons had melted. Catacombs, cellars. And just the wealth of brass and rune knowledge that can mm-hmm. be found there. Maybe there's a rune that has a template or an instructions to make an item that your crafter, your master <laughs> weaponsmith, needs to craft. Yeah, to kill that pesky dragon. <laughs> yes. Somewhere in the ruins of Karak Doom. Mm-hmm. Now, what I really like about this, about these, the introduction pay, uh, uh, section of this book, mm-hmm. is this, these, um, what is it, this painted glass looking Art. Stained glass. Stained glass. Sorry, stained glass art. That's yeah. so cool. Mm-hmm. And this the the picture we have here on page thirty one is you know where you know the humans are stepping forth now. Yeah, probably the first king, as it mentioned in mm-hmm. the bottom of that page, King uh, Arcus Penicor. Yes. And what do we know about him, Stefan? Tell us about him. Oh, let's see. Let's see. He's. Uh, after the, we talk about the dwarves, then they mention humanity steps forth. So, uh, humanity, of course, starts building, getting getting a bit more civilized, let's say, developing civilization more and more. Mm-hmm. Although they they don't keep calendars or write yet uh, at that point. Um, but then it says, yeah, we, we trace the start of human calendar. Uh, to the campaigns of Lord Arcus Penicor, who eventually becomes one of the first kings, first Penicor kings. Mm-hmm. And uh, a noble chieftain from a small village. Uh, in the later years of the uh, years of hunger, his homeland faced constant attack by, of course, the Orcish raiders. And he would become, he would become uh, a terrible bloodguard knights. So he and his men would try to protect his realm against these orcish, ria, orcish writers probably you know mm-hmm. uh, encouraging and uh, and leading his people and that's probably why he uh, was named king yep yeah it yeah. says he uh, he forged a confederation mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
to pool resources and fighters to secure a safer land. So basically built a kingdom out of nothing. Yep. And that was like 2,000 years ago. And that's where they date their years starting from that time. And what's cool yeah. is that he raised um, he um, raised all these funds, created you know these the ancient laws, resources, yeah. the resources to create temples and works of art, um, keeping the people safe. He created the first chivalric orders. You know, maybe that yeah. um, order of the nine pillars might have been started with this guy. You know, the one that I, when I was playing in your um, campaign yeah. there. Yeah, Stuff sure. Why not? I mean. <clears throat> Beginnings, you know, like any philosophy, can start somewhere. Yep. And then, <laughs> there well, was, as ahead. it is, as it does, history was <laughs> not is not always bright and shiny. It um, when the years smooth. were hunger uh, for nearly three hundred re- years, mm-hmm. uh, when the years of hunger were over for three hundred years, they flourished. Yeah. But then came. King Jerlon Penacor. And he was uh, he was yeah. every sign of proving worthy of the crown. He showed it. And his capable queen Rhea was celebrated in court for her intelligence and charm. And their infant sons Ferengal and Ferendin uh, showed every sign of becoming the finest princes in the Penacor line. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. love tore the realm apart. And here we have the King Arthur story. Yeah. Well, absolutely, <laughs> and that's kind of what I was thinking. Like Penta, Penta Dragon, Penacore. Pen, yeah, they, Pendragon. We have, yeah, Pendragon. Yeah, I mean, we have the we have the King Arthur Guinevere Lancelot story right here, man. Almost, yep. almost. Queen yeah. Rhea and the king's greatest friend and highest counselor, Rustikar Loramir, or Loramore, Loramore, yep had fallen deeply for each other, and despite their respective vows to husband and throne. Uh, and when the king learned of this, his priests and advisors begged him to show no mercy, warning him not to tolerate such a betrayal. Mm-hmm. But instead, he still loved his queen, and mm-hmm. a melancholy. Instead, of, he grew melancholic instead of wrathful. Yep. He was sad, mm-hmm. and uh, he annulled his marriage, and forever banished the queen and Rustikar from his kingdom. Yep. And uh, a large group of the king's subjects joined them in exile and uh so now we have the kingdom splitting mm-hmm. yep and their kingdom and became the kingdom of the lore mora empire yes yeah. that so they're going to talk the about west. later apparently mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then ferengal his son mm-hmm. <laughs> starts to you know Act well out. without his <laughs> yeah mom right. was a bit of a oh. bit of a Ho decided <laughs> yep. to run off with her new boo. Mm-hmm. So uh, Ferengal decides, you know what? I'm going to start hanging out with all these ruffians over here, robbing yeah. and raping and pillaging. Yep. The father's household <laughs> guard, in yeah, fact. I'm going <laughs> yeah. to be a bad boy. <laughs> yeah, started carousing with the, with the guard men, man. <laughs> Corrupt, and they corrupted the fuck out of this kid. <clears throat> yeah, yeah to, to, to the point where he became violent and mm-hmm. nasty and it says one run one tale here it says on the occasion of the prince's 16th birthday the court jester performed a verse penned for the occasion when Ferengal realized that the first letter of each line spelled out the word bastard 
He <laughs> flew into a fierce rage, summoned his friends, and they galloped from the castle, calling a pox to take the morose king and his gossiping court, and they never returned. Which mm. makes you think they spelled out bastard was Ferengal. Yeah, maybe. Um, Raya and um, a Rusticar Lord. Was, is he really a Lorimore? Yeah, maybe he, he might be so. uh, the bastard son of uh, Rusticar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but him and his men fed, fled into the king or to the lands of Narakal uh-huh. and would become the first of the lords of Narakal. Sorry, no, there was a lord there already. Yes, Sorry. yep. And, and that lord was uh, he placed a bounty on them and messed them up, baby. <laughs> yeah, and showed basically. Uh, the king's guards and the knights who had followed Prince Ferengal capt- captured them all, killed them all, and mm-hmm. locked the, the prince in a tower. Exactly. The prince in a tower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now we have the man in the iron mask. <laughs> exactly. But that man in the iron mask in this tower, there was something else in that tower that he yeah. kind of um, communed with, if you will. Said that there yeah. might have been a, a, an infernal shade. Hidden in a day wall portal. Mm-hmm. Nestled in something. an attic nook in the tower. Yep. Something he made a deal, I guess, with, uh, yep. with the prince. Yep. And, yeah, he made a deal with the prince. The um, the melancholy dad came, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and said, oh, well, why don't you just put him to death, you know? Yep. So they, they did. Hung him. Toss hung him. Threw their bodies in this in this near you know the swamp land, which was near the tower, close enough to the tower, where yeah. we have a um, so thought for dead. Prince came back. <laughs> yep, the dread Prince Ferengal. Yeah, it's, so now we have death knights, <laughs> death knights, and undead kind of army mm-hmm. coming back. Well, he was no longer known as Ferengal. Mm-hmm. Uh, his com- yet, yet Prince Ferengal's companions had not yet passed from this world. Their bodies lay putrefied in the swamp, mm-hmm. and the shade in the tower had not forgotten his promise. Invigorated by dark magic, the bodies of Ferengal and his companions rose from the swamp, and became he became Lord Ferengast. Mm-hmm. Ferengast, <laughs> nice. A, as a foul wretch came to be known, and went to terrorize the surrounding lands with his mm-hmm. skeletal followers. Yeah, so all of his, they were yeah, so all a plague of his upon the region. So was he okay? So then he was still alive, but it basically raised his dead buddies, the dead guards, right? That were killed. Is that, yep. is that what I'm reading here? I think they all were brought back. I think Farangal definitely died. It's just that he was yeah. maybe one the first one to to rise up to rise and up then, <laughs> and brought, he brought his buddies back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he became a death knight. That's um, that's a pretty kick-ass story, for yeah. uh, for your undead armies, man. Oh yeah, and you could, and it, you know, we'll maybe find out later about their fate. But if mm-hmm. maybe they're maybe they're still around. Maybe maybe they still haunt the land. Maybe oh. that infernal shade has the ability to raise them again if they did get taken out. And again and again and again, yeah, baby. And that was like seventeen hundred years ago. And you could have them return as a plague upon the land again and have a whole campaign about finding the infernal shade and stopping it from raising them again 
after you've slaughtered them (laughs) or sent them back to their graves. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. That's very evocative. I like it. I like the, I like the, the world building here that they're doing. This is good stuff, man. This is good stuff. Mm -hmm. All right. And so that was pretty much where I stopped. Did you guys stop there as well? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I did too. So we'll continue um, setting the tone um, in Taranoth. Yep. Future episodes. Future episodes, most definitely. Okay, so are you ready for our favorite part of the show? Yeah, I've been waiting for that. (laughs) You bitch. This is the part where we all get naked. (laughs) And roll dice. (laughs) Okay, then. Speaking speaking of dice, I need to get my dice out. Okay, you do that, Stefan. Welcome to part three, which is the favorite part of our show, called Advantageous advantageous Threat. Blah, sorry. Threats. So this is where we uh, set up little situations and assemble dice pools and basically try to trip each other up. Yes. And this week we'll be con- concentrating uh, to link up with our main topic, crafting checks. So Tony, lead us off in crafting Advantageous okay. threats. <laughs> this is funny. I like so it. my character, Gurgo Ridgemantle, an orc primalist shapeshifter, went on a were hyena rampage. AKA <laughs> he rolled a double despair. Uh, he is he is just and so he doesn't know where he's at. He's just now waking up, naked and alone in the wilderness. Don't Don't know where his buddy Kilzak is. But he hears the sound of a pack of ghouls approaching. And smells them, probably, too. Oh, yeah. And he wishes to hastily make a crude spear using his survival skill. So, using the roughing it rules, I'm going to make a spear. I have a survival of two yellow. Okay. And the difficulty of crafting a spear which is a rarity 2 item is going to be one or easy cool. right and we're not so going to worry have... about that we won't even worry about the cost of it because nope. you're in the freaking wilderness man right oh, you can find a stick have... you can find a sharp stick i can find a sharp stick and sharpen it on a rock before they arrive it. that's all yeah. that's, that's all i'm hoping to do and yeah, if you're lucky maybe a sharp rock we <laughs> <laughs> all right but you're well, in a hurry Definitely in a hurry. And so maybe not the proper tools to to get all this done. So at I'm least a setback. Naked, no tools. So okay. naked, no tools. Yep. Yeah. And so a setback die. Yep. I, I, you know, as a as a, as a GM in this situation, mm-hmm. I'm already being a dick, throwing a pack of ghouls on you. But I'm going to flip a story point anyway. Well, yeah, because you know they may <laughs> okay. they, they may point. hear you crafting and. Uh, <laughs> Well, Gorgo mm-hmm. wants success, um, so yes. he is also going to flip one. Um, flip one. All right. Sweet. And um, you know what? Oh, I should have thought of that. But anyhow, I could have oh, made this with primal magic instead, but I just rip it out of the ground. But anyhow, <laughs> oh, uh, we'll do it this way. 
Maybe it would he's increase. Tired. It would increase the difficulty by one, and but maybe but I'm, I don't have enough strain. Yeah, yeah there you go. Well, still yeah, suffering too much strain. Waking up naked and alone, buddy. <laughs> yeah, so I have currently got a one green, two yellow, one red, black, and a black in All my right. pool. Well, that sounds Anything good to else? me. No, that if they're good. ghouls, if they're ghouls, they're not out in daytime, are they? That's true. It's probably dark. Yeah. So I'm probably trying to do this in the dark. I'll throw in another setback die. There you go. All right, here we go. All right, setback dice came back blank. Sweet. And I had one failure, but I had a grand total of four successes, a triumph, and a despair. (laughs) The one failure came from the from the despair. Yep. (laughs) So. I, uh, yeah, I have four successes, a triumph, and a despair. All right, so if so. we use our table mm-hmm. on one page 113 for spending Okay, so first off, stuff for I am going shows. to spend our despair first, because, it, because I'm thinking it's going to be an inferior spear. Okay. So you won't be able to gain that superior quality on it, because <laughs> it's already <laughs> inferior. So it'll be a That's setback. Fine. That sound good? Yeah, so that's how we'll spend the despair on that. However, mm-hmm. ooh, I really like the fact that this is a... I found a rare wood to make my spear out of, and though it may be inferior, it does one more damage. There we go. So I'm going to spend my triumph on increasing the value of a numerical benefit of the item uh, by one. Ex- excluding damage. Damn it. All right. Damage, critical rating, soaker defense. I can't do. Mm, damn it. Mm. I'm going to do this. All we right. Can do, Tell you what. We can do a Tell narrative effect here, though, if you want. Yep. Where you and can. I, I find some poison to dip it in. Or no, poison wouldn't work on undead. That's not going to no, work. No, no, no. No, you, you, it's, it's a, it, it is an, it is a, um, let's say that it is a, the type of wood. I like that. You, the type of wood that you picked is a type of wood that makes that a lot of crosses or a lot of holy relics are made out of because it has the ability to to like quote unquote turn undead if you will so whenever you're fighting undead they're with this weapon you, they're going to get setback dice to hit you maybe nice yeah i like that i mean it's, it's a, grand, it says it's, it's a, a narrative plant it's a whole yeah, it's a, yeah, it's like a whole it's, a, it's a wood that's sanctified, I mean, preferred by one of the gods of Terranoth. I mean, you could think of you could think of it as giving you the defensive quality versus undead. Defense that's one great. versus undead. How about there that? Doesn't, I'm not restricted in having defensive. Um it, because it's it's not one of the restrictions that I could add that I mean, to the, the to the item. Mhm. Narratively, it's it's a blessed it's a blessed wood. Mm-hmm. And the thing Therefore. is, now, now th- those of you out there are like, but it costs two despair, or it costs two triumphs to gain an item quality. But think about it. This is only versus undead, so it is a specific. Yeah. He's not always. You're not always going to have a defensive quality. You'll have right. it versus undead. I'll only yeah. have it like probably that? versus the ones in this encounter. Yeah. Well, there's that, too. <laughs> because this thing is probably pretty brittle. <laughs> Well, it's inferior. Unfortunately, there's a crack. Yeah. You might need it. 
All right. So then next session, that next next podcast, we'll we'll roll initiative. No. Okay. <laughs> All right, Chris. What 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 are you gonna make? What have you yeah, got? Here? Well, Chris. what I have, I have a dwarf weaponsmith, master smith, named Dislag Stronghand, and he's wanting to forge a, a dwarven a, a dwarven um, war sword, as pictured on page one twelve. Yes, everybody. Mm-hmm. On page 112, that is Dislag. Mm-hmm. I'm just going nice. to call it now. And that's what he's doing. Go. He's going to make that sword. Now, a sword is rarity two. It costs 200 silver coins. The dwarven craftsmanship quality is adds two to the rating, and it doubles the price of the item. So we're talking a rarity four sword, and um, it'll cost, it costs 400 silver coins normally. So he'll need 200, so half of that, 200 silver and materials. Mm-hmm. The rarity is gonna, the rarity sets my difficulty at two purple. Um, and of course, with dwarven forge things, it'll add a, um, it'll add one to the damage rating, but it'll increase the, it'll increase the encumbrance of the sword too. <clears throat> and you can see in that picture, it seems like a little more hefty of a, of a sword. Oh, now, and like, initially. Mm-hmm. You plan to spend five days making this, right? Yes, because it's going to take. Mm-hmm. It'll it'll take him five days to make it. Um, his he has an intellect of three. He has a mechanics of two, and he also has the tier two inventor talent, which he gets to add a boost die to create new items. So go. it's going to be two yellow, a green, and a blue versus a two purple check, costing him two hundred nice. silver, and it'll take him five days. So okay. what do you guys want to do there? Now he's in his he's in his he's in a forge. So he's in a forge in the city. Um, Is this his forge or someone else's? I was thinking that it's probably his forge. Mm-hmm. So he's in his home forge. He's forging this thing. It's been commissioned um, by one of the what do they call them? The wing guard? What do they call them? The riders? Maybe somebody's commissioned it for him. Somebody's right. commissioned okay. him. To do it. So, then I would say he'd probably get a boost die. Another boost die, just because okay. he's in his own forge. Perfect. Okay. All and he's right. really well. under no he's really under no pressure, as far as time-wise goes, because he told the guy, eh, it'll take him about a week. Yeah, but that's when he, he spoke to his customer about that. But, mm-hmm. I'm going to be a mean GM and flip yes. a story point. Yes. Because now, the king himself needs a special dagger soon because dignitaries are coming and he needs one of his better smiths to forge a nice dagger as a gift for the diplomat. So he's putting pressure on uh, Dislag. Oh, oh, on Dislag. Oh, okay. um, So there is a time crunch. Yeah. Finish the sword so you can get onto the king's dagger. That's it. Awesome. Or he keeps sending emissaries like, are you done yet? Oh, yeah, they keep bugging me. (laughs) Bastards. All right, so how's that look? That look good? That's good. Yep. Okay, Mm -hmm. here we go. So we got two yellow, two blue, a green, a red, and a purple. All right. Okay. Well, uh, we do have... So one failure (laughs) came up on the um, red die, and one threat came up on the purple die. Those get canceled. So we are left with... A simple success and two advantage. 
Nice. So we're going to say, so I think spending, because i got to get this done pretty quick, I'm going to spend um, the two advantage to reduce the time it takes by two days, I'm thinking. That's it, because nice. you can use the, the advantage that way for multiple multiple times. Yep, you can select it multiple times. So it only takes him three days to there make it, and so he could get working on the dagger. There we go. Making the king very happy. <laughs> we want to keep very the nice. king happy. I want to yes. keep my forge, and the yes. rent that I pay on it is, the taxes I pay are, like, really low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there Sweet. we go. All right, Stefan, what you got, buddy? All right, me. I got inspired for this character little situation from a setting that I think uh, Chris discovered a little while ago, the Cowboy Dinosaurs setting. Yeah. <laughs> Cowboys and char- Dinosaurs. Yeah. So By the way, I think I saw a movie. There's a freaking movie out there, I think, on either Amazon Prime that is Cowboys and Dinosaurs. Oh, well, we'll have to see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so my, char- my character named Casts a Long Shadow a Cherokee brave, he needs to craft a saddle that will allow him to stay stable while using his thunder stick <laughs> while riding his triceratops named Delicate Dancer. <laughs> nice. Delicate Dancer. Double D's. Yes, when she's at a full run. Mm-hmm. So That's great. I love so it. He's, you know, so Shadow is a... Uh, his friends call him just Shadow for short. Mm-hmm. He's a skilled leather worker for his tribe, so he's got three intelligence and crafting, let's say, mechanics uh, of three. And he's got a knack for crafting. Oh, cool. Especially leather. But he needs to modify his existing saddle uh, to do this. So extrapolating from the Realms of Tiranoth book, I just saw some equipment for, for horses. They don't have actual saddles, but they have saddlebags and barding. So use that a little bit. Uh, the, the cost in, in a Western setting might be like 20 bucks back then, but it would still be a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Back then. And rarity for, uh, for a custom-made saddle for a Triceratops. Oh, absolutely. So nice. dividing that by two, the rarity by two, gives me a two purple difficulty mm-hmm. base and three yellow. Right. Well, I'm Ugh. thinking that. So, is this stay stable, stay stable ability? Is that like a like he's making like a mastercraft saddle or something like that? Kind of, yeah, he's or, if, or he needs it. a stay or he needs a if he has a saddle, then he can stay more stable. Is that what you're thinking, or is it a special? No, uh, just no. Well, it's just a, right now. It's just a regular saddle yeah. that just keeps him on mm-hmm. on his triceratops. But he needs something where. Even if he moves or when she moves, uh, he can stay a bit more stable. He's seen maybe, yeah, he's maybe seen some advanced, you know, white man's cavalry <laughs> saddle, yep. and he yep. wants to to improve that his own to, to emulate that. So he's basically crafting an item he's unfamiliar mm-hmm. with. Yeah, exactly. He's only doing it from memory of saying maybe having seen one from a distance. Right, maybe seeing. One up close, but only you know it was is in tatters, maybe damaged when he took down uh, mm-hmm. by a lucky strike uh, a uh, a cavalryman. I would say that's worth a couple setback dice. I think so too. One or two, two. I two I'd say probably two. two. Yeah. All right, two. Luckily for his knack, he can remove he those two. Those. Absolutely. 
And I'm, I'm actually going to um, flip a story point because right. you're making you're going to be riding a freaking dinosaur. <laughs> well, that's it. And the saddle yeah. could break. Well, you never know. You know, she's named Delicate Dancer because she's got these moves. Sometimes, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. she, the double B's, man. Oh, that's it. She she's dance. hard on the leather. She's hard on the leather. You know, all those <laughs> yep. spikes and hide. Mm-hmm. So okay. But yeah, she's been, yeah. But he's been. He's working with, with her. He know he knows her proportions and stuff, and so he can try and compensate for that. There we go. So maybe some quality material he was able to to scavenge. So maybe that gives him a boost die. Ah, there it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I have to stay, stay true to my colors. Oh my god! Sure. Yeah. Get a boost die, you hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm not. But I'm not flipping a story point. Uh, All right. So let's go. All right, let's see here. We've got three threat and a failure, which will be canceled out, I think, by a few of these. These two take out the threat. And then these take out the threat and the failure there, leaving me with two success and two advantage. Very nice. Nice. All right, so uh, how would you like to spend your two advantage? So with two advantage, I think you may be, let's see here, would you, do you maybe decrease the item's encumbrance by one? Mm-hmm. So it fits really well on uh, on Dancer. So she can remain as delicate as a butterfly. Exactly. Continue to <laughs> prance. Uh, prance light, light of hoof. Yep, exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to picture... Triceratops yeah. prancing, dancing, yeah, dancing through the tulips. Because I know what my dog looks like when she walks and prances, yeah. and I can just imagine a triceratops doing the same. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Wow. That's so that's it, folks. That's crafting yeah. in a nutshell. It, yeah. It's usually handled in one check per item, and you mm-hmm. don't have to. Unlike other systems out there, where you have to do two, three, four checks just to make an item. Yep. Uh, simple, well. easy, and narratively oh. amazing. That's right. Although, and as normally, a GM, if you want to make it a bit more complex, yeah. maybe it's multiple steps. Yeah, you have to forge the blade, then you have to do something yeah. for the handle or bind yeah. a runestone. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the greatest thing about this system. It's flavor to taste, man. If that's, that's what right. you like, you, know you can totally tweak yep. it. That's right. And, you know, you don't necessarily have to be dicks like um, Stefan and I. No. Open story points as a GM when they're making crafting checks. Now, yeah. <laughs> if you're that gnome alchemist and you want to go for that double despair, yes. The only way to get a double despair, though, is to give them two, two reds. Hey, if you're brewing a potion in an outhouse, I am flipping. I'm yeah. sorry. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, poop you're making, Yeah. Or you're making that automaton <laughs> with four arms and... <laughs> And jetpack. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Let's go home, guys. Come on. <laughs> All right, everybody. That's our show for tonight. And we're just going to shout out to our network, the Nerds International Network. All the talented folks mm-hmm. on there creating their creating the content for all of you to um, to enjoy, like the Wild Eye, the Brewery, 
the Murder Hobo Show, the 3T RPG podcast, Imaginary Ramblings, I believe. Stefan, you said you were going to get on that with um with Matt sometime maybe this yeah. week or something? Hopefully this week I record a short show about uh, how role-playing games have changed from when I was young. <laughs> and oh, young the nap. snapper. <laughs> yep. From the dark when ages. I was young. Yep. We actually had to carve our bones from the bones of our enemies. <laughs> or, <laughs> from the, from bones from... or from the triceratops. <laughs> yes. The horns, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> then we have Mr. Mean Speaks. John, yeah, he puts out a lot of reviews on things I don't even know exist. Yeah, yeah. Which now he has put all of his uh, YouTube videos, uh, his reviews. He's now putting them up on Podbean. Oh, oh cool! Very his cool. podcast. So very cool. And we got thoughts of a barbarian, the role players Imaginarium, um, and the Dragon's Toolbox. Yeah, it's still up there. There's mm-hmm. not much going on, but still there. And uh, Macho Men in Tights might be back later on. Uh, Uncle Jay is taking a little break. Yep. For, so uh, for personal reasons, but yes. uh, so congratulations to all of you, all the mm-hmm. stuff you guys put out. I know you work hard, and you know yep. it's great. I we appreciate it. all of your efforts, and, mm-hmm. and you, you know I think the, the network covers a lot of different things. You know, from yes. the Murder Hobo Show with Rifts, and us with Genesis, the Wild Eye with Savage Worlds, and uh, everything in between with the uh, with everything everyone else. That's right. And then there's the melting pot that is the brewery where yeah. uh, you never know what Jamie's going to do on any given week. So, yeah, you might well, be, yeah. hey, if you want to learn how to play Legion, if you want to learn how to play Star Wars Legion, I think he's going to be putting up some war reviews or mm-hmm. I don't know what he's calling them. Something like that. Battle reports. Battle, Battle reports. reports. That yeah, that's it. Battle Excellent. reports. Yeah, right now he's into role into tabletop strategy games and losing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, Stefan, you got anything important you want to remind us of? Just we spoke of maybe at the top of the show. So, Con on the Cob, uh, if you can attend the uh, the convention. Uh, yeah, October the third to the sixth. Still t- plenty of time to get tickets and maybe book rooms. Whatever. If you're in the area, then you don't need rooms. But come over and see us, and uh, we will give you uh, awesome hugs to uh, from from all of us. That's right. Yep. And so, if you're lucky enough to sign, you know, join in on some of our games, uh, or, or even if you're of drinking age and you can show me ID, I might even give you a beer. That's it. <laughs> that is exactly. Nice. And I might even make you an Angry Balls. <laughs> yep. Oh, I just have one thing to mention uh, with Con on the Cobb. Well, there's still the Kickstarter, of course, so you yep. can always get your tickets that way. You encourage the, the con. Yep. So, uh, so just want to, yeah. Any listeners who attend, yeah, we will uh, warmly, warmly greet you uh, with uh, with hugs. And uh, three out of four nerds recommend hugging. Uh, of course, do not ever operate heavy dice mechanics while hugging. And I uh, just want to give out a warning. Uh, length of hug may vary and may cause side effects. Side effects may include, but are not limited to, discomfort, awkwardness, a desire to pull away and run, nausea, vomiting, warmth, acceptance, love, attraction, arousal, swelling in the groin area, if male, and sense of questioning one's sexuality. If you experience any of these side effects, sit down and have a beer with us. <laughs> that is wonderful. Wow. That's uh, awesome, Stefan. Yeah, and I hope course, you didn't. Uh, I hope you. I hope you encourage them to come and not scare them away with that one. 
Well, they've been properly warned <laughs> so of all these things that could happen. There Disclaimer. Disclaimer. This, exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. There so, if you go. want to reach out to us uh, mm-hmm. and you know maybe write a love letter to Stefan, you can That's contact right. us at mm-hmm. finding the narrative podcast at gmail dot com. Uh, you can get a hold of me and Stefan on Facebook, Finding the Narrative. Uh, Nerds International, all of the shows and us are over on MeWe as mm-hmm. part of the Nerds International group. And mm-hmm. we have our own page over there. Yep, send us an uh, invite. Yep, and we'll we'll gladly add you. Uh, mm-hmm. Just make sure you have a little bit of info on your profile. Otherwise, yeah. we're going to look at it and go, up oh, spam. Yep, even um, if, even if it's had- something as simple as, yes, Chris, I am a DM. Dude, that'll get you <laughs> or, in the or yes, right away. Or yes, Tony, I am a GM. Because Chris <laughs> never looks at those things anyway. So, um, <laughs> or, or yes, Stefan, I am a gamer. <laughs> That's we right. Uh, we're, uh, we have a Twitter presence over uh, at FTN underscore Genesis. And you can, uh, you can frolic with uh, Stefan over there. Yep. <laughs> and you can listen to us or tell your friends to listen to us on Podbean, iTunes, watch us on YouTube. Google or on Google Play and now available on Spotify. <laughs> well, we will so, say you can watch us on YouTube, but the only thing you'll see is here. <laughs> yeah, you'll see our logo. <laughs> yeah. You can actually watch us on the brewery yes. on Twitch. Tony's, I think you run it. You're running Thursday night, right? We got yep. another one Thursday night. Sweet. Yep. We'll be live on Twitch Thursday night and mm-hmm. uh, later that'll show up on YouTube on the brewery's YouTube channel. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. So, <sighs> This is Tony. Keep saying I. I keep saying it. Keep rolling those dinosaur bones. There you go. And this is Stefan saying, "Don't forget to ask for those boost eye bones." And remember to be cool on that Triceratops, baby, <laughs> and just have fun. Good <laughs> night, everybody. Good night. Adios. Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast, is not affiliated with or endorsed by any companies mentioned in this show. Any of the products mentioned on our show or appear on our website are the property and copyright of their respected owners. All items are used under fair use and educational and review purposes. All other items are the intellectual property of Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast. Copyright 2019, all rights reserved. <laughs>